Hello, Vitamizers, and welcome back to the How Do You Health podcast. As always, I'm Allison here in Austin, Texas with Slenderella, and you guys are going to love this episode. I know I've been saying that pretty much every week recently, but this one was genuinely one of the most engaging, intriguing, and intentional conversations I have had just in life, (laughs) Um, not to mention on the podcast. Uh, Our guest is very cool, and you guys are going to love him, but before I introduce him, The How Do You Health podcast is brought to you by Slenderella. Slenderella is a vitamin shot and IV blend that was designed to help your liver function optimally. It got its name when the creators started noticing that liver detox was causing many clients to lose weight. Now there is a whole line of different Slenderella blends that you can customize for your needs, as well as a supplement line to support all of your Slenderella goals. You can find distributors and more information at www.slenderellausa.com. This podcast is recorded at MSW Lounge. MSW Lounge is located in Westlake Hills in Austin, Texas. They provide a variety of services, including vitamin shots and IVs, the whole Slenderella family, concierge medicine, chiropractic, massage therapy, a vitamin drink bar, and tons of other local company offerings for ways to clean up your health and naturally stay that way for a long time. Find out more at www.mswlounge.com. This podcast is sponsored by Athletic Outcomes. Athletic Outcomes is Austin's boutique wellness studio focusing on functional fitness and sports recovery. Located in Southeast Austin, AO provides services such as personal training, group classes, pre and postnatal training, nutrition coaching, massage therapy, chiropractic, recovery compression boots, and MSW lounge vitamin shots. It's your one-stop shop for health and fitness. Check them out on social media at Athletic Outcomes to stay up to date on their events and programs. This podcast is produced by Flabs to Fitness, Inc. Flabs to Fitness is an online wellness company that specializes in mindful eating, personalized workout programs, and offers a subscription workout program for 20-minute workouts you can do anywhere. It's also a social media content firm for creation and scheduling of content and engagement with your fans on a variety of platforms, including this podcast. Find out more at www.flabstofitness.com. Okay, so our guest today is Mark England. He is the founder of Procabulary, which he's been doing for over 10 years. I think he said 11 or 12, but I'm... I don't take my word on it. Definitely over 10 years. (laughs) We also talked about the new company that he and Mike Bledsoe have formed together called Enlifted, which sounds super fascinating and I'm probably going to actually do. (laughs) It is actually launching the week that I uh, release this podcast on May 16th. This podcast is coming out a couple days before that, so I will link to their website below if you want to check it out. But yeah, super cool conversation. He clearly is a language expert or at least an understanding and story expert. I don't I I know he calls himself a story expert, so I should probably say that instead, but very cool guy, very fun to talk to, awesome to hear, you know, kind of his journey and all that stuff. So, you guys are going to love this episode. Stick around and uh, check out Mark England on the How Do You Health podcast. I post on Instagram, I post on Facebook and I'm out. Yeah, I mean once every 2 months. Do I scroll through yeah. just out of sheer, sheer curiosity? I did check on one of my high school sweethearts yeah. yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been two, three years since I thought about her. Yeah. So and, what did you find? Um, well, I knew what she was doing. Um, she's in Richmond, and her children are very. Her two daughters are very 
very involved in, in dancing. Um, there's a lot of posts about that. It was just one of those random thoughts. I was like, but then you go, right? You don't have to reach out and call them. You don't have to like make it all awkward. Just say, hey, it's all, everything's good. And next time we see each other, uh, we've got some, 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 talk some about. talking points. There you go. Nice. Yeah. I went with uh, Merrick, my wife, uh, to her 10-year reunion for high school a couple Ooh. years back. Okay. It's a small school. It was probably like, oh gosh, like 70 people graduated in her class. Yeah. And I graduated with like 700. Yeah. And so like she was a huge class. Yeah. So it was like a big deal for the people who go back, you know, to kind of reconnect because in a small town from Oklahoma, they all kind of scattered out. Right. Right. But there's a handful that's still around. But, you know, holding the torch, carrying the torch. It's weird. Well, I mean, next year for me, it's going to be like, what, 20 years for high school. I did my 20. Yeah. Through uh, three years ago. Yeah. What was that like? Uh, it was very fun. Everyone looked better than I thought they would. There was one dude that was we had ballooned up, but yeah. everybody was basically the same size as they were um, when we graduated. That's nice. That yeah. could be a sign of like changing mentalities a bit too. I I know. I was expecting uh, that's not what I was yeah. expecting. Yeah. Um, and and one of my mentors, he he said, go back to your high school reunions. Okay, do it every five years if you can definitely the tens because it is an anthropological study to end all anthropological studies for you personally okay <laughs> i went back to my dad's 50th high school reunion uh, this was two years ago yeah and um very very enlightening very enlightening it was also you know he comes from a, a small coal mining town in the deep mountains of virginia so it's, it's, it's a watching history, watching my dad's history, watching him get around people, they're telling stories from when they were 15. It's just weird. Yeah, you know, that's you know, cool. And you're taking, very cool and you're taking it all in. How many people were there? Oh, yeah. um, it's such a small town, it doesn't exist anymore because coal mining is, is done in that area. And then you, know, you, you layer on um, uh, a lot of opiates, huge major major problem there in the culture is just blown out um everybody that ever went to that school for a 20-year period showed up to that particular it was probably 60. that's cool that's yeah. still badass so yeah that's cool yeah i've never done a reunion have you well uh, your wife's yeah, just that one. I didn't go to mine. My tenure, uh, I heard it was kind of lame. Like they didn't, they didn't do much. I mean, it was leading up to with Facebook. You know, people were like, "What are we gonna do?" And the people in charge, like, they kind of just dropped the ball. And so it's like, I, and it's weird because my, high, sc high, school my high school is like three miles down the road. Yeah, which is okay. weird, right? So you talk about like going back home. Like I've lived in San Antonio and Dallas, and those are pretty big cities. But Austin is it's weird. Like I love South Austin. To me, it's always been home. Right. I like getting away around easy, but you know, it's weird. Like you'll run into people. I'll run into people all the time here. I grew up with like hands down and they'll look the same. I don't consider myself old, me. which is weird. It's like, cause I don't know. I mean, I think I look the same, but I'll look and compare it once in a while. I'm like there, there's a few more wrinkles. I see that and you have the gray hairs at the top, but I still feel like a big kid and I got kids. My great uncle, who's in his late 80s now, great shape. We were dove hunting. This was, uh, was 
four years ago. I was 38 because it was a it was a moment in time for me. And uh, I was sitting there hunting. We were both under the the, the, the same place. And, you know, periods of time go by. It's just silence. And out of the blue, he goes, "How old are you?" I said, "38." Pause. Pause. Old man contemplating. <laughs> That's what it was. He goes, "You're just now hitting your prime." Thank God you said that. Because yeah, <laughs> it reframed the whole thing. When I was 15 years old, I thought 40 was old. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought 40 was old. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a long way from now. It's a long way from now. The 40 year olds that I remember when I was 15, I did not look like that. No. They, they, were, they were balding. They, you know, they looked yeah, like wear suits and they had a beer gun. Yeah. yeah. They just looked like old Well, you see it also with athletes, right? Now that being. So many more athletes are playing late into their year, into their forties too. Well, it just happens more. It's so hard for me to identify how old people are now because of that. Like anyone who's under fifty now can look really like good. It's up in the air, yeah. And I, I don't know, like what women are the hardest. Women I think, are very, I think that's the hardest. Women are thing. difficult to tell because, like, I've definitely walked by high schoolers and been like, "Oh my gosh, who's this bitch trying to show me up?" And then find <laughs> out she's sixteen. And I'm like, I think oh. it's the way. <laughs> because once you get to like late 30s 40s by that point like if you're wearing a suit you basically don't want to wear a suit anytime you're like you're on the off, the off hours right you're wearing shorts you're wearing flip-flops i mean most of the people that come in our clinic they're ceos and entrepreneurs and they don't come in suits like, yeah they're coming, don't judge the way i dress <laughs> no it's funny it's like if you get to dress like that all the time yeah right which is cool everyone else has to dress up to a certain extent i get by with Basically a shirt untucked, but it's like a button-up shirt, you know. And I like to dress up. He wears he wears yeah, like a tie, yeah. and then he'll wear a shirt tucked in, and then he wears like Nikes. Yeah, I mean he wears the tinnies, right? Yeah. Like at any given point, he's ready to take a like, like he's ready to go run four miles. Yeah, why not? Like, make good. <laughs> so, I feel like the the theme here is you're seeing a shift in how people are treating themselves, and that's causing them to look different. Yes, and I'm seeing I'm seeing a polarization. Okay. Myself, uh, Mike Bledsoe, and our other business partner, and Lifted, we were having the same conversation this morning. <laughs> there are, in our opinion, uh, uh, it's an it's a, you know, ever-expanding market ways for us to, to take better and better care of ourselves. And you know, talking about the health hacker, movement and what we saw at paleo effects people want this stuff or better said some people really want this oh stuff. yeah that's true. <laughs> some people really want oh, this yeah. stuff they oh, put yeah. the money down they show up give me the shot give me the drink give me the whatever what do you got yeah what do you got oh, yeah. and how what can it do for me what problems can it solve for me and then there's another demographic that um it seems to be going in a very different direction they want to uh, outsource their health. They want to delegate the responsibility of their health and well-being um, to to other people. And that's really hard when I'm the only person that can work out my body. Okay, a major turning point for me personally came uh, in the form of an enlightened poop in 2000. And 
three. We talk about great moments. Yeah, great moments in history. Hey, you know that's what we always say. Health is in the poop, right? Like all the time. Yeah, hey man, it's a measurement. It, 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 a really good one will get your attention. I mean, can we all agree on that? I totally agree. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you ever do one day, you know what? We can come back on the podcast and. I'm going to email you one day and be like, oh my god. Yes. I think I just right. experienced. Yes, I think I just took a poop. <laughs> Can we drop F-bombs on you? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm all kinds of fucked up over in Thailand. 2003. I moved over there in 2002. For, I was supposed to go over there for a year and polish up my Thai boxing skills and come back and go pro as a fighter. I was an amateur. Um, did doing well and wanted to up my game, so that's the way I wanted to. That's the path I chose. I get the exact opposite. Moved to Thailand, six months later, I'm getting a second knee surgery and the whole thing stops. And, 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 and darkness descends. So, um, I was at, I lived in Thailand for 10 years total. First five was in Bangkok. And I was an elementary school sports teacher at an international school running an American curriculum, American calendar. It was really cool, really fun. Great kids. And two-thirds of my classes were swimming. So I was over with the third grade class at the swimming pool, and so was the middle school PE teacher. He was over there with the, the seventh graders, and they're all in the same pool. And we're sitting next to each other. It's free time. I'm like, I'm like okay, cool. And right about that time, he hands me a book called The Tao of Health, Sex, and Longevity from Daniel Reed. By Daniel Reed. And I start thumbing through this thing. I had some acupuncture in college. So I was like, okay, I can contemplate meridian lines. Energy, you know, some days my energy's up, some days it's down. Why not? They're talking about fasting and uh, meditation and diet and uh, martial arts and and pooping. There was a diagram of a guy sitting on a toilet and his intestines were <laughs> all bunched up. And then it talked about the the, 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 the plethora of, of of woes that, that uh, the problems that that sitting on a toilet, a western toilet causes. And it showed a guy squatting. Alignment, perfect alignment. I'm like, okay, why not? I'll try it. <laughs> so I go in the bathroom and I squat down on the toilet and I have arguably the best doo-doo that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I stand up and it was like somebody turned the lights on, man. Everything was brighter. I, I, I just had I, my posture changed. I came back out and uh, uh, I said, I need to borrow this book. I'll have it back to you in three days. I go home and read it, come back to him. I'm like, man, that's the coolest book I've ever read. And I bring that up because you know, we're talking about some people getting healthier and stronger and fitter and, and, and sharper and, and uh, better in any way they can possibly do it. And then other people going in a different path. The, 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 on the first page of the book, um, they talked about the difference between the Western medical model, the current allopathic medical model, and the traditional Chinese medical model. And the 
traditional Chinese medical model. So I would go to the, I would go to my, uh, my doctor, and he would work with me, and I would pay him, or her, and they would stop. If I got sick, they stopped getting paid. Yes. So they only got paid when I was well. So you had a wellness practitioner, not a what we would consider a doctor. We had health care. That's cool. As That's opposed to symptom management. Yeah. And it turned, my mom died of cancer. I watched that 18 months of just roughness, crash and burn. And, and it, was, I, it was, you know, what most people see yeah. when someone goes through the radiation and chemotherapy and, and surgery until the whole thing stops. Mm -hmm. Brutal. That just turned the whole thing on its head, and I've been different since. Um, my approach to my health, my approach to my, uh, my overall well-being, I started taking responsibility for it. And we can, we can, we can say that was the, the turning point. So was this at, in all the time, or is this just in this town? This was... Um, what, what do you mean by the this? Way the healthcare. The healthcare. The healthcare. healthcare. Oh right, that's that's the the traditional Chinese medical model. Okay, so TCM, and there was fortunately for me uh, and many other people a spa on the island of Koh Samui in the Gulf of Thailand that had a cleansing and detox resort based upon this book. The, the owner was friends with the with Daniel Reed, the yeah. guy that wrote it. And um, I went down there and dug in all things alternative and still doing it. And, That's awesome. And I feel um, I feel better now than doing it when I was 20. It seems to be working, yeah. What, what, what modalities were offered there? Like what services, what type of therapies? The main program was a seven day, you, know, you could go longer if you wanted to, but the, the standard package was a seven day detox. Uh, and they were using the Arise and Shine products from Richard Anderson, Dr. Richard Anderson. I don't know if he's still, still doing that, but it was, uh, it was the program, how it was set up is that starting at seven in the morning, you would have a psyllium and bentonite shake, a bulking agent. And, and then an hour and a half later, you would have some herbal detox pills. And then we'd go back and forth until seven that night with two five-gallon buckets of water, coffee water, gravity-fed enema at 10 and 5. Uh, that was a new one for me. Intense. <laughs> yeah. Actually, not really. No, not, really. not at all. It's, um, you, you think five gallons, but it's just, it's, 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 it's very fluid. It's flowing through. Yeah, it's flowing the through. Water, it's, the water's you, really you, you barely even feel it. You got a lot of traps down there. Pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, okay, so that was the, the base program, and then there was a, a whole stable of practitioners from acupuncturists to, to, to uh, Reiki practitioners, to tarot card readers, to family constellators, to, um, uh, I was the EFT guy. That was, so the second half of my Thailand experience was living and working at that spa uh, on that island. Pretty cool, my, my commute was 300 meter, that's, that's what we're talking about. 300-yard uh, walk on the beach from my hut down. So you literally went and did this detox seven-day thing, and then you were like, I'm going to work here. 
it it eventually got there. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't laugh for a year. My I couldn't get my face into position to enjoy um, life living. And I went over there with, the, with my, my college girlfriend. Real, she's super funny, super fun person. And um, stopped being able to enjoy her in that way. So it was there was no quick fix to the story that I created for myself. Um, and once I got my head around the basics of, of that, um, well, I've just been in that game since, mm -hmm. which you know, led me to uh, do my Bledsoe show two and a half years ago. Friends, business partners now, which led me to you guys, and now yeah. we're sitting here in your garage. Yeah, we're sitting in a garage with an ID right now. Yeah, yeah, I wish, it's funny, we normally film like YouTube, Oh, not YouTube, uh, but Facebook and live and all the, all the, the memes there. It's funny because, uh, you know, at the clinic, it's it's loungy kind of atmosphere, right? More of just conversations than anything else. But sure. it's like, we've talked about this before. While everyone else is doing podcasts like full time, for us, it's like the last thing of the day. You know, like yeah. we're kind of like wrapping everything up. It's like, oh, yeah, we got but a podcast. Like but it's the best. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like the best thing that we go through because we look forward to it because we've met so many cool people on it and it's just a way to connect because mm -hmm. like what you said about this this almost a paradise i'm almost imagining it was right nice. yeah, yeah like yeah, you're telling much. me this and i'm like well i want to go you know like i want to go see this because healing is a different form in every different part of the world right and and the truth is when when you and mike were talking about uh and lifted uh one of the things that struck me was the cognitive word yeah. that mm -hmm. key term right and it's funny, you can stick a needle in someone, you can put an IV in their arm and replenish them all you want, but you know, when it comes to like the mental wellness, it all puts everything in its place. Right? Story rules, yes. Right. And if you don't address it, I don't care if you're the most professional athlete in the world on the top of their game, or you're the CEO who just started a company, lost it a week ago. Pretty right? much. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. Yes. So business partners launched a company a week ago. The mental fuck that's going through your mind, right, has to be addressed, because you didn't address it, and you saw what the darkness came, and you know you saw what it did to you. I didn't. I didn't even know to address it. Yeah. Yeah. And the advice that I got growing up, uh, which is similar to a lot of people's, uh, my dad said, you know, son, there will be, and he's given me fantastic father. This was just, this was a moment that I remembered, and I thought to myself, there's got to be more to it than that. We were down at the, down on our farm, he said, you know, bad things are going to happen, good things are going to happen, you just got to hope there's more good things than bad things. And I just thought, to, I didn't say anything, I just thought to myself, there's got to be a better strategy than that. Yeah. That's an extremely go global way to approach mindset, yeah. which is what most people have, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a global approach, and just, just. Try to be more positive, yeah. or have a good attitude. That will crumble and disintegrate under pressure when yeah. it gets stress tested, and it will because life throws curveballs. We were doing a podcast this morning, and you know the, the, the shows that we're doing now, we're talking more and more about mindset because other people are talking more and more about yeah. mindset. On a side note, at, at Paleo Effects, when we were uh, opening conversations with people, and it, very quickly, we got granular about the language. 
talk about what, what that means, more about what that means in a, in a moment. People are like, oh yeah, I'm reading a book about whatever, and the author's talking about the power of language. I've been in the language story game exclusively for 12 years now, full time, and it's a whole lot easier to have the conversation today than it was five years ago, and especially 12 years ago. Start talking about words, the power of words, what they're doing, how they, the, the mechanism of, of story. Uh, that's that's where the mindset conversation has to go. Otherwise, it's it's too global, and uh, there's not enough. There's it's not practical. There's no way to practice it. So when you say the mindset of story, are you talking about the inner workings of the story I'm telling myself for why I'm acting this way, or yes, I'm your interpretation of events? Because, yeah. So so tell me, what's uh, to answer that question as well too? But how, what's your definition of mindset? Perspective. Yeah, perspective. The, uh, what I, what I, the, the story that I tell myself about myself and, and the world that I live in and my place in it, the identity that I create. Um, we gave a, a TED talk two years ago on that identity, the difference between the current definition of identity so current Webster's definition of identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. We've been talking about high school reunions. I see myself very differently than I did when I was in high school. Can we all agree on that? Yeah. Okay. You should at least. Hopefully. Definitely when we were five. No, yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. We're all in agreement. If, if identity was a fact, then would we be able to change the way we see ourselves? Not at all. The reality is, is that it's an ongoing, fluid, flexible process. And we participate in that. We participate in that ongoing process with the words that we use. And uh, we, when I say we as me, my business partner, vocabulary, Adam Chin, our description of the, the ways that people create problems and conflict in their life, stress responses. We call it a conflict language. There's only so many ways that I can piss myself off. Okay, There's only so many ways that I can um, create a, a stress in my body, a sympathetic nervous system response. And we've done a pretty good job of mapping it out. And it's called conflict language. If you'd like me to, I'd, I can go into the specifics about what that is. That'd be awesome. Okay, cool. So how this came about when I moved down to the spa, which is the, the, the fasting detox resort, and started working with people, I did a tremendous amount of one-on-one -on -one sessions for the first five years of my practice. As many as I could do, truth be told. And what it entailed was two people in a chair just like this, about this far apart, talking. And uh, very little distraction. I lived in a bungalow the size of this garage with two wooden chairs, a wooden desk, and a mat that I folded up and just stuck on the wall like that, and a couple of t-shirts and flip-flops. I said if I, I had a rule, not a rule, just a saying, I was like, if I'm in shoes, something bad has happened. because <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to be in my flip-flops. And session after session after session, I started connecting dots between specific words that people were using and the way it was influencing them. I started taking notes. 
and I started the, the, those notes turned into more notes. Now I have two pages, and now two pages is five pages. Five pages is, uh, is seven pages. I'm like, okay, cool. I gotta go do something with this. Um, I moved to Ecuador. I'd always dreamed of renting a house in an exotic location and writing a book. It sounded like a good idea. The opportunity came up. I moved to Ecuador, a place called Vilcabamba, which is a small town in the southern Andes Mountains, about 45 minutes north of the Peruvian border. And I did just that. Uh, I wrote a, a workbook and an ebook about what I had seen so far. And what I had seen so far, there was three main pillars of what we now call conflict language that was coming up in people's conversations, the stories they were telling themselves, their mindset in context of their problems. Okay, the first one was negations. And people talking about what they didn't want to have happen, what shouldn't have transpired, what they're not going to keep doing, what uh, what isn't possible, and what happens when people use those key words is they force themselves to stare at the worst case scenario over and over and over again. You guys know any like, really good warriors? Oh, yeah. yeah. Everybody knows <laughs> yeah. at least one, Just right? Just trying not to spend too much time around them. <laughs> yeah. Why not? They turn you into a warrior. Oh, my goodness. With the, they, they do. Yeah. It's contagious. It's very contagious, and it's, it's, it's sneaky. Languages. Well, it's also like you can't just be like, no, you're wrong, because that's like, I just... <laughs> because <laughs> then that'll just put them into a different negative feedback loop. Yeah. But then you're absorbing that energy this yeah. whole time. Yes, and there are ways around that. Uh, that's one pillar. The second pillar is projections. So it's the blame game. Mm -hmm. you know, it's blaming people for or, or externalizing responsibility onto some other thing. You know, they, they always embarrass me. She never lets me think for myself. He's, 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 he's so controlling. When someone creates, or when someone projects like that, as far as the language is concerned, you know, she always controls me. What I'm going to do with my imagination, what we, what we really enjoy and benefit from focusing on in vocabulary and in the language part of the conversation in Lifted is, is the mechanism of storytelling. Okay, so, so we, we highly recommend stop believing so much of your story and start connecting dots between what words create what mental imagery in you, okay, amongst some other things, which we'll touch on in a second. When I say, uh, you, know, you really embarrassed me last night, I make a victim and villain picture in my mind. And who likes feeling victimized? Nobody, okay? What that does is it in its own way, you know, there's different flavors. So the worry is a different flavor of stress. You know, blaming, bitterness, that's if you take it far enough, it's bitter. Uh, that's another kind of stress. Then the third pillar of 
conflict language is soft talk. And this one was the last one that I saw. You're smiling already. What do you think I'm about to say? Talk that is framed in a way where it's like backhanded compliments was the first thing that came to my mind. But talk that's framed in a way where you don't think they're being negative, but they are somehow. It, yes, and it's worse than that. It's worse than backhanded comments. Yo. It's much, much more pervasive. Because it's more subtle. It's sneaky, and mm, a lot of people do it. Like a whole lot of people. Do this is actually a, a, a scourge on on English speakers, and it goes past English speakers. Thinks, maybes, probablys. It's almost likes, sort of, possiblys, likes. So non-committal, indecisive. It's yes. It's soft talk, as opposed to being able to solidify what I want to do, what we can do. People that use a lot of soft talk create tremendous amounts of indecision in them. You got the worry. You got the blame got the, the, the inability to move forward in, in, in life and that was at the core of each one of my clients problems their issues mine included was one of these language patterns most of the time all three a combination of all three they really got the whole story um, on the on the on the table and so when we start looking at people's language and their story, we focus on four pillars of their experience of themselves, which makes up their identity. And this story, uh, this is a good story that puts the whole thing in a perspective really fast. I was working with a young man uh, who was struggling in his career. Same setup, two people, two chairs, talking. This is what he said, and I'm going to move slowly so I keep the, the IV in my arm. <laughs> this is what he said and this is what he did. He said, Mark, I can't keep focusing on my past. But ten times more movement. Like he turned his body around really it. fast, looked behind it and came back and literal physicalization of looking yeah. behind. Looking behind it. I'm staring right at him. Of course I saw it. Okay? He missed it. I said, you know you just turned around and looked behind you, right? He goes, really? I said, yeah, really. What did you see? And he had to stop and think about it, which is strange. I saw myself all alone and on the couch. That's two of them, so we got four. Our language, it's always interacting with four aspects of us at least. And these are four that are easy to track. Our physical body, our, our imagination, the little pictures we make, and the, 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 the little mental movies, our emotions and feelings. I asked him how he was feeling, okay? He was stressed and, and, and anxious. And then this is, this is so we do half of our business in uh, corporate settings and then the other half in functional fitness. When I mean we, I mean vocabulary. And Lifted sure. is just getting, it's, it's just got out the gate. Uh, and that's all for fitness. A large part of the reason that we've had success in the fitness industry and also in some yoga circles is that we've connected. And as far as I know, we're the first people in the language game. So you know, you've got um, conscious language and neuro linguistic programming, 
and uh, nonviolent communication and some others. We're the first people that, that I know of that have identified language and, and as, as being a stressor and trapping our breathing. Okay, this is one of the, we talk about words, we talk about breath a lot. Yeah. When I stress myself out, whether it's with soft talk, projections, negations, and I go into those sympathetic nervous system responses, my breathing gets trapped in my chest. And most people, you guys work with, you guys work with people, most people's breathing mechanics are just racked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah John's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's crazy though because you're mentioning that, right? And I always look at that whenever I feel stressed, is I look at my breath first mm -hmm. because I want to work it from the out. You know, that's usually if I can at least work it from there, then it gives me time to figure something else out as well too. But usually, for me, it helps a lot to just focus on the breathing, and then I can just change my pattern, and then the thoughts come. Which I mean, the positive thoughts, like changing the positive thoughts. Yeah, yeah, that's a great strategy. Well, he's, as far as meditation goes and parasympathetic response, Baldo has it on a different level. Like, we went to go donate blood, and they checked his pulse, and it was, like, what, below 40? Yeah, I can't donate blood sometimes. Well, I haven't been able to, actually. His heart rate's too low. And the lady sold him straight out. I was like, you need to go get some stress and come back and donate. That's what he came around and told me. And I was like, what? Oh, yes, she she said, she said, that's what she said? She said you need a little more stress in your life. <laughs> I wish you had just been like, you know, I'm like co-running a company, right? Well, the thing is, the thing is that I, I, she didn't let me, and then she said, drink some coffee, do some um, jumping jacks, jack. which I did, and it was so was invited. <laughs> what, do you, what do you have to, what numbers do you have to get? I, I guess it was above 40 or 50, yeah. 50. Well, just because, you know. It was early in the morning, I was really chill, it was on a Sunday, like, come on, I'm not going to stress out. <laughs> well, I mean, it just, it just to let people know, like a pulse that's usually around 60 to 100 is considered normal. 100's kind of on the high side. But it's on the high, I mean, obviously, like, like you know, even like blood sugar, 100, right? Like, you don't want to be on the upper outer but like 60 to 70 is like a sweet spot right if you can just have that resting heart rate should be lower for most people it should be like 50 something right right athletes are going to just naturally have a little pulse like lance armstrong was probably like the same as his except when he was like engaged and like going down a hill and all that stuff too and even then it probably didn't go up too high i mean i can't imagine his his uh extreme heart rate would be you know 180 ever 160 I mean, I, I mean, I just imagine it goes down to oxygenation, right? Like, I, if that's well, a word. The amount, it's the amount of blood that the, the heart can pump in one. Right. But there is like an ideal for performance, for optimal performance, uh, athletically. Of well, there's the, the oxygen. Well, th but yes, but it also goes along with oxygen. That's why sure. everyone goes and trains in. in with, that's why they go train in the mountains, right? Hyperbaric chamber. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you know about that as well. I mean, we've met, hell, at Christina Weiss's event last year, there was like four guys with PhDs all about oxygen. I mean, remember it was like Dom was one of them. Uh, there was a couple of guys in Florida and they all talked about oxygen. And I mean, it makes sense. If you're breathing and you have oxygen in your body, you can function better. You can think clearer. You can think clearer, clear, right? Like you need it. And so it's funny because when I talked about my breathing, mm -hmm. it was chest. Well, the thing is that you're expending more, yeah. more uh, yeah. oxygen yeah. if you're nervous or if you're tense, like you're, you're using more energy. So you're having to breathe quicker, faster. So 
I've always looked at it from like, well, if I can look at the breathing and, and mm -hmm. try to control that, then it gives me time for the rest of the things, right? If pressed, like if, language yeah. of breathing, give me the breathing. Yeah. yeah, I see that. Well, it's because well, the amazing thing about the nervous system is it controls every action, right? So if you engage in parasympathetic, your digestive tract allows you to throw out that big poop because you're relaxed, right? And you're, you relax the sacrum, which your parasympathetic nervous system can go into, right? So those nerves, if they're tensed up and you're holding on to something, you literally cannot have a digestive tract that moves things through. Like, it stops. Peristalsis is like a real thing, right? Because essentially, like, you take food in, and if your soul system's jacked up, you won't even be going to the bathroom and constipated. Like, that's incredible. And you, this, you can't relax. But the amazing thing about stress, we think about it as, like, emotional, mental stress all the time, right? That's not the only stressors we have in life, right? But what is amazing about it is stress can literally kill you in many different forms. I mean, you can cause it to where depression eventually leads to you know, just the generation of your entire thinking ability, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're not able to go to the bathroom, how does that affect your eating habits, right? And then after a while, it's like if you have too much stress, your heart just jumps up like this, man, to the point where people have heart attacks. Like, it's fucking nuts. Like, that's stress. It's crazy how the body works together, right? But it's, <laughs> but, but it's amazing, too, when people say, oh, I handle stress well. Like, all right, you mean you go to donate blood and you have a <laughs> pulse of 35 and they tell you you need more stress in your life? Like that kind of stress? Like you handle that? Yeah. Cool. How's your sleep? Oh, it's great. I get seven hours a night. Is it continuous? Well, no. I wake up, you know, all the time. Well, that's not, that's not good. Do most people think they handle stress well? Until you call them on it. Because... Yeah, I think that's more <laughs> of like, oh, I think that's more of an automatic response. Yeah, it's like... It's like I don't want to tell you about my shit going on. Well, no, it's not even that. It's because in life, you don't have time to slow down and handle, like, whatever. You can't go to Thailand and go to a seven-day detox, right? It's like the thing where someone asks you, how are you doing, and you're expected to say, good, thanks, how are you? Nice, cool, bye. That's it. Yeah. That's the most common Which is one thing that I love about the clinic is that we have time, a lot of times, to actually talk to clients about, like, what are they really stressing about? But, right, the, cool. but mm -hmm. the amazing thing is, so I start almost every visit with, how are you today? And I, I try to sincerely mean it because it's not like Allison said, like it's not one of those you're checking out the cash register. It's like, hey, how's it going? It's good, blah, blah, blah. No small talk, soft talk even, right? right? It's more like, how are you doing, Mark? Uh, okay, I guess not. What's going on? Well, and then it opens up. And so when, That's you, how it goes ask, too. when you ask, I guess, well, well and yeah, yeah, well, yeah. now that you mention it, you know, and it's incredible because most people won't come out and say anything, right? If you walk in and your eyes are just, there's something behind it, right? You would think that humans would be like, what the hell's going on with you, man? Like, tell me. Well, the other thing is I feel like it helps to help them acknowledge it. Because maybe they're just like passing thoughts and just doing more damage to them, you know, well, as far as like their thinking goes. And they never stop to acknowledge. And well, I think that it's important to, to be able to support people. Like that. If, if we're in the clinic... How many times do we hear someone come out and say, like, this is what's oh, yeah, wrong? Sure. But that's not the norm. Because it might be the only time of the day they get asked that question, right? Sincerely asked that question. Sincerely asked, like, how are you doing today? Because this is your time to let the world know if you got shit that you want to get off your chest, right? Like, what's going on with you? Are you sad? Then let's talk about it. Are you happy? Let's talk about it, right? It's just the addressment, like the, the presence, right? Mm -hmm. 
the breathing is one of those things, right? If, if you don't even realize that you're not engaging your core while breathing, you're not present. Like you're not like, tell me how you feel right now. How does it feel to sit in this chair? How does your arm feel right now? You injured your back a couple weeks ago. Tell me how your back's doing today. Oh, now that you mention it, I guess uh, it's kind of bothering me. What do you mean? Well, it's like I can't go work out because my back's killing me, and it's really frustrating me because I'm not. I don't feel like I'm the person I was a year ago when I was like training for this and doing this shit. Really? So how does that affect you? It's, well, I'm getting pissed off. I'm yelling at my wife. I'm snapping at her. You know, or maybe like you know, work's being affected because I'm not, I'm not letting out all this stress. And they go and they say, "Well, I work out. That's how I release stress." Do you? When you work out and you lift weights, hardcore in the gym, are you relieving stress? I don't know. I think you're just shifting stress over the gym. It's taking the edge off. It's taking the edge off. You're probably relieving mental stress, but you're causing more physical stress. Sex relieves stress, and that does a whole lot better for you in the <laughs> than, than lifting weights will. Yeah, I was going to say, sex and lifting weights are not the same thing, though. You know what's, you know what's funny? both at the same time. So, <laughs> 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 like, what? That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. That's the key to life right there. Like your girlfriend isn't here. <laughs> And ask her. Hey. The funny thing about I was gonna say the, the the parasympathetic. So, one of the big problems that we hear in the clinic a lot, especially with guys, is ED. And ED, erectile dysfunction, is literally the body is so stressed out and it's in sympathetic mode that it cannot activate the parasympathetic mode part of their nervous system in order to maintain an erection. I mean, you know that term was coined by marketers, right? Well, Viagra was also supposed to be a blood pressure pill, and that you saw what happened with that, right? But the truth is, is that you saw a marketer that said, we have a problem on our hands, right? All these guys are not going to slow down and decide to take a chill pill. They basically need something to get it up because their body will not shift into that mode. They can't get out of that mode. Their CEOs are functioning. They got practice to run. They got a business to run. I need to have fun on Saturday night with my wife to relieve the stress, and I can't even get it up. I mean, this wonder is like more and more common. This is incredibly common. It comes almost like when you hit in the mid-30s now, it's almost the norm that you're going to start experiencing some of well, that. We should, we should clarify to you, like, most of the clients at the clinic are not the people who were given a book in Thailand in 2003. Like, we have a lot of people coming in who know nothing. We do have some who are ultramarathoners and Ironmen and all that stuff. But, but, but it, it, it's across the board. It, it's across the board in a sense where it's not necessarily like, it's the Zen-like yogi who's just sitting there all day meditating and says, you know, like, oh, I have no problem doing it. It's more like, yeah, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm so stressed all the time. I got to teach 10 classes a day. Oh, yeah, I still get my workouts in as well, and I'm stressed. We had a guy who literally had um, an app that tracked his sleep, and he taught every day. And uh, he sent to basically have Wednesday nights was <laughs> Wednesday nights was his day where he had, like, on his chart, it was like like this, like no REM. It didn't even drop below, like almost like to where he was asleep. Like maybe his eyes were closed. And he said that was his day off. He taught six days a week, and his day off was his worst day of sleep. And it's funny because I asked him, I said, do you find a connection there? He said, what do you mean? You don't think something's off? He said, well, that's my rest day. There's nothing restful about it, man. Like, why? What? Why? Why was that his worst day? 
I would think stressed about not working. Yeah. What, there's something going on in his body where if you think about the recovery, like what is recovery for most people, even when it comes to working out? Oh, did you stretch afterwards? Did you put an ice pack on your back, your knees, or whatever? It's like, no. It's like, all right, well, what did you do after six days of continuous hell to where you're running and going, going? I mean, this guy literally will work out, well, he teaches at a yoga gym, and then he runs across the street to go work, uh, and no, to teach at a cycling studio. Oh, I know this is. Yeah. <laughs> like, you see them in the morning running to go over there to his class to make the next one and teach, and then eventually he goes and teaches all this other stuff. So I'm thinking, like, damn. Right. I did it. I, mean, I did it. Whatever. Yeah. That's for sure. And, but, yeah. I, and so the thing is, you you found something to where you can unlock this part of you where it's, it activates a, a, a relief of stress. But when you're able to do it, cognitively speaking, you can think on a different level. It's true. Right? It's true. We get asked. Now, I was just going to say, like, how do you feel like this is a loaded question, so I'd like to tell your story first, I guess, but um, just like how did you start seeing those mental shifts and just overall health shifts in people when you started realizing like this is a pattern that we can work on and we can identify it? I don't, how does it even, how do you start applying that? What do you start seeing in people? Like are you seeing physical changes in them? Immediately. Yeah. Immediately and it's exceedingly practical, real mm -hmm. time. So to go back to the story of the guy that was, I can't focus on my past. Cool. Write that down. Write that statement down. I can't keep focusing on my past. That's a big deal. When someone has um, looping negative thoughts, arguably the fastest way to start dispelling those, those, those ideas, and the definition of dispel is to cast out cast out that negativity and get it on paper because otherwise very likely that thing's just going to keep yeah. spinning yeah. and Change now energy source. big time and make it make it finite because now it's infinite this thing can just do the do that all day long yep. all week long it can keep going and going and going and now it's it's on paper it's externalized and there's there's i can't keep focusing on my past there's seven words and they're right there and I had him focus on that. I said, okay, if that's what you can't keep doing, what can you start doing? And he said it like a question. So this, is, this goes into the socialization of ideas. I, I, I can focus on my future more. See how it went up like that? Okay, it's a statement he turned into a question. And I was like, okay, yes, that's true. And make a statement out of it. I, 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 I can I can focus on my future more. I, I can. I can. You see how it starts to get. And then, then once he was, then one, when 100% of him was on board with the idea, and it took a couple of rounds of him saying that, that yes, he can do that, then we built out what he, the three things he needed to work on in his professional life to help uh, uh, remediate the issues that he had going on. And his mental imagery changed, his uh, uh, physiology changed, his shoulders dropped, his breathing loosened up. We have language in our language to describe the, the fact that most people are, are, are chronic chest breathers. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to get this off my chest. I've got to get this 
off my chest. What's the this? It's a tension. It's a tightness. Okay. Let's go clear the air. What air? The air in the, <laughs> the closet, the, the air in the tires. No, the air in my lungs because it's stagnant. It's stale. It's up here. And it's, I'm, I'm getting some negative feedback from it. Uh, take a sigh of relief. Of what? Of pressure. And it's all, it all comes off the top. And so when someone, we call them translations, that guy translated that negation into an affirmation. You know, I, I think I might, uh, uh, you know, I think I might want to come over and do a podcast. Okay. That's a soft talk statement. Mm -hmm. It makes everybody feel uncomfortable. Okay. I'm noncommittal and you guys are like, this guy in or is he out? Right. So I take out the thing and the mic. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming. Cool, great. It's either a yes or it's a no. We can work with that now. And then, you know, um, man, you, you, you never let me think for myself. Take out the you, put in I. I never let me think for myself. Well, that's a completely different story. We want, we want as many people out of our stories as possible when we're contemplating our own behavior. Okay? So I never let me think for myself. Never, it's a strong word. Take never out of it sometimes. I sometimes let me think for myself. I some I can you know, I, I do think for myself sometimes. And now I'm looking up here, contemplating things as opposed to venom out like this. And when people go from uh, uh, using a lot of conflict language to using less conflict language to using maybe a lot less conflict language, they're using more architect language. The breathing starts to, they start to work themselves out of these chronic stress responses and the breathing starts to descend and it takes time. Okay. We've all seen babies breathe, right? We all start out breathing in our, in our abdomen and our language has got some, some holes in it and, you know, 40, 50,000 micro stresses later over a 25 year period of time, and these, these ideas make us lock up a little bit. Obviously, it's not that exaggerated when we're out and about, but you know, when I think a certain way and I, I stress myself, that's I, I tighten up a little bit. <laughs> 50,000 of those, and now my breathing is trapped here. Okay, i got to unlock that. And and it's it's very, I've, I've done it with myself to a pretty decent degree. I breathe now in my abdomen pretty well. Okay, and I was king of the chest breathing. It took me, you know, it just takes time, okay? Rome wasn't built in a day. My identity was not created in a day. And a little bit goes a long way, especially once we know there's a game to be played. And, and that's, um, that fascinates me. That's what that does. The reason I'm still in this business and will be for, I have a 50-year goal. Okay? I give my last presentation, so one of the hats that I wear in, in vocabulary is um, the head presenter. Okay. Um, I give my last talk 2057 March 17th and 18th. That will mean that I've been in the game for 50 years. I've said everything I need to say a thousand different ways and um, 
and go just going off onto the side tangent there. But the, the whole the whole the whole thing fascinates me, man. Watching someone change their words yeah. and and in you know twenty minute conversation or an hour coaching call or you know a person, and I I watch the breath get back down into the abdomen. Um, you know that makes everybody's life a lot easier. Get chiropractic work or digestion they don't have to take a pill to no. get it up exactly <laughs> exactly rest and digest feed and breathe yeah okay that's another term for that's right for parasympathetic that's right. System response that's right um, uh, yeah that's 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 weird yeah. Well, you know what's even weirder is guys are not willing to make those changes to where they said, "Well, the pill's not working now anymore. I need an injection." There, <laughs> straight into, yeah, in order to get it to pop up. I have a story. To get it to lift it. I, oh my gosh. Know, <laughs> I wouldn't associate it with Don't that way. Stain the brand a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's, there's a guy I know that basically is a, uh, a client who, former client, I should say, but he took the pill and did the shot at the same time, which was a big no-no. And three days later, it's still, still not going away. Yeah. And he's like, what do I do? Uh, I'm going to ER. That doesn't sound fun. No, no. It was all, uh, yeah, and the doc said, uh, any longer your scar tissue would have been so bad that um, we would have had to put a prosthetic in there. As oh, a pump, man. because your scar tissue would have just made it like nothing anymore. For show, I guess. Read the contraindication labels, kids. Um. <laughs> well, it was funny that the talk was more like, "Why did you do that? <laughs> like, why did you do that? Like, it's more like, you know, it's almost like talking to a kid. Like, why? Who, who in your brain told you this is a good idea to do that?" <laughs> Did he have an answer? No, it was more like I I know better. I did I you know we're like okay, fair yeah, enough. Okay, fair yeah. enough. We just had to have a conversation just to reiterate the idea that, that this won't be a good idea in the future either, right? You almost lost your what makes you a man. I mean, I I don't know what else to say, right? The idea that it was so bad that the pill wasn't working was not enough to just like throw that out there to say like shit's wrong in your life right now. Change. The frequency of how you view things, because it's literally going to tear you. Apart. We need some save the boners t-shirts. Save yeah. the boners, man. I mean, honestly, like that's that's a, that's a thing now. Like, you know, it, it, I know it's a thing now because this is the third conversation that I've <laughs> participated in about this. Uh, it's a little secret. No one's talking about. Honestly, thirties. 30s, man. So I had to talk. Here's the thing. So I'll have a guy come in in his 30s come and want to talk about testosterone. But the second that symptom comes along with it, it's more like, well, do you want to address this too? Well, they're thinking, well, if I get the testosterone, then I'm good. Is that the case? No. Women come in wanting testosterone. I think I need to have low sex drive. I heard testosterone can help me because my friend has testosterone pellets in her ass. And it says that it's like, yeah, pellets. They will drill, like, into the side of your hip, 
and they'll stick like a like a big capsule. Like, what the hell is going on around no, here? Yes. Yeah. This, this is not. I'm not serious. This is true. Not not around here. Not like Texas. Texas. I'm just saying. This is, this is a thing. What Which is, it's crazy to me that people will get pellets in their ass and then they don't want to talk about the stuff that could prevent them from needing that. And that and I think that might go back just to the Eastern versus Western shape of things. But, I mean, you know, John, you're talking about these people who come in and they're like, well, I take more medicine to fix it, right? Like, that's what we've been told for so long. That's why you're seeing all these problems is everyone likes the pill, everyone likes the quick fix and it hurts to be introspective and yeah the hacks the hacks but it's it hurts to be introspective because you find shit that you don't like and so if you can take a pill that's gonna prevent that true fucking hurt why why do you think people will will drink a lot of people go work out why people will sleep all day right it's because the truth the truth fucking hurts right no one likes to look in the mirror and be like Damn, I don't like the person I've become. I think the truth hurts when you realize it's your fault. Yeah. And I don't even want to say fault. I just want to say, like, because of the story you're telling yourself, and you're nodding because you already know. It's, the story you're telling yourself is a large portion of why you are in the position you're in. Exactly. Exactly. Not all of it. But well, we control our destiny to a certain extent. But I still love that quote, and I forget who said it. Maybe it was John Ronan. The poem in hell is basically like whether you believe you can or you can't right. I mean it's just it's fucking true. Jordan Belfort, I used to have this quote on there on my phone. It said, The only thing standing between you and your goal or your dream or whatever is that bullshit excuse you keep telling yourself why you can't do it. Mm. And it's just like, well, why not? So people who especially you saw it paleo, right? Start a business. Right? How hard is it to start a business, right? It's a lot of fucking work that comes with it, right? But then to actually execute it is another thing. Because there's people out there that are kind of like, should I do it or not? I mean, Allison was just right behind us when we were starting our stuff. She graduated college, said, what should I do? Should I go get a real job or should I just do this contracting thing for a while and you know see how social media turns out? And here it is, what, almost two years later? And she's, her business is going well and she's getting clients. I'm and just unemployed. Well, she did loved it so much. She wanted to be an, uh, a comedian on top of that, right? And so she just loves music. Oh, I can do that too. I can do that too. <laughs> I'm just real good at not having a real job. Whatever it takes to pay the bills, no. I look at it, right. But yeah, no. But that's just again, that's the thing of like, a lot of people. You know, I would tell them, "This is what I'm doing, and this is what I want to do, and whatever." And my friends that are gone corporate or whatever have their, their well-paying, cushy office jobs, and they get all weird when they ask me what I'm doing, because I say, well, I'm um, recording a podcast in a garage on a Monday night. <laughs> you know, no I had the office. You know, yeah, or like, I'm, I guess I'm going to go to San Diego next week, because I got booked yeah. on some shows. Like, it's, but it's, it's just, I don't know why I got lucky enough to meet weirdos like these guys, but it's a it's a two totally different thinking patterns. Like this this whole realm of you kind of create it and it is largely in your hands is very weird to the Western world. And a lot of I see a lot of my friends now in the Western thought still, but I don't know what tangent that was on necessarily. It's just Well the frequency that you actually had to shift from being a college student into basically an entrepreneur, how many people encourage you to do it? Your dad 
was a big support in that, right? He's basically awesome. saying, like, go do it. Like, go do it. Your mom's saying things like, go do it. Because you can always come back home if you need to. You can start over again. Why not, right? And then now looking at it, would you ever go work and a real job for someone else again doing... I got in an argument with my mom about that because she... I like posted something, I posted some comedy promotion and I like said shit fuck or something and I don't know, it was not clean. Just like, you shouldn't be posting that on Facebook. What if you like try to get a job? And I was like, mom. <laughs> that, <laughs> um, we passed that exit. I, know, I was like, like I'll go be a barista if I have to. I'm not going to work in an office. And that just kind of ended the conversation. <laughs> I'm staying over at Mueller. We've been there for a month. And, That's a beautiful uh, area. It's cool. It's, I, I get it. I get it. I would choose to live somewhere else. Right. And I understand why people are over there. Mm -hmm. What I very much like seeing is their children playing outside. Yeah. You know, by themselves. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a very, um, it's a very family-friendly place. I bring that up because there are uh, office buildings around there too. There's some some office buildings, and I have never done. A, an office job. No. And I was walking past people in their cubicles a couple of days ago. Yeah. yeah. No, I visited one of my best friends Spooky. from high school, and her, like, she's in one of those cool marketing jobs, but it's in a high rise in Dallas, and even this progressive company. I walked in and she's like, well, here's my office. And it's not, it's part of a desk that has the little lockers on. So it's more open than cubicles, but it's still just rows of that. And I was like, okay. And it just meant the cubicle cool. Yeah. And I think about that a lot because I'll get, I get like dumbass Snapchats from people all day or they're posting from the office or whatever. And I'm like, what do you guys do at work? And they're like, <laughs> oh no, I just have to be here from 8.30 to 5 every day. Could not imagine. <laughs> I, I, I did that. I worked in the, the, believe it or not, I worked in the pharmaceutical industry coming straight out of college. And it was weird because it was like Office Space the movie. Uh, there was like four people that I'd have to answer to. And, hey, you didn't initial this. You didn't get this memo. You didn't do, I mean, it was like one thing went wrong. And like a stream of people, and it was the cubicle deal. I was yeah. in a big cubicle. It was just like one big room. And there's like eight of us that all had these computers like in a big square. And I just, it was just the oddest thing because you would sit there and kind of look at the clock and you're like, man, like, I can't wait. It's almost, you know, four o'clock and then we just got an hour left, you know, and I can get the hell out of here, you know, and do whatever I want. And now it's like, Bala and I are talking like, damn, it's already four o'clock. Like, there's like 10 other things I need to do. And you want to do them. And I want to do them, right? Like a podcast, mm -hmm. right? 4.30 in the afternoon, you're thinking like, oh, I'm exhausted. We don't have that crash, man. We got vitamins, dude. Like we got, we got shit to be. <laughs> we got, we got vitamins. Yeah. We got vitamins, man. Wait, so before the Thailand thing, like, was that your first professional pursuit? Like, what did you do before that? I raked the leaves. You raked the leaves. Yeah, waited yeah. tables. Yeah. <laughs> and all I wanted to do was fight. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was unattached to how I paid the bills. And I was willing to do that. How many hours were you training for that? Um, twice a day, five days a week, sometimes more. On top of having a real job before you moved. Yeah. Quote unquote real job. But it's never a real job. Yeah. Quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> I 
do I would wait tables and, and did you find yourself interested in language modeling? No, not at all. Fuck no. <laughs> no. No, I had no idea this was on the radar. None. And I unless I'm without 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 an absolute necessity, I would have not gotten I could have, I know me well. I could have done what I was doing for a long time. I have a mind for it more than I have a body for it. Like I, I wore myself out. Um, interesting story. When it was, I never had a, um, an absolute wake-up call. There were a series of them. Four months after I had my knee surgery, my girlfriend wanted to uh, start taking salsa lessons. She's like, okay, cool, go for it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> I can, I've, I've got a gangster lead. <laughs> you know, I'm not dancing anywhere. I can, I can, I'm, I'm doing my best to just walk normal. And um, so she would go and take salsa lessons at a, at a Cuban salsa club called La Rueda. Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we would go and party there on the weekends. She's very good looking blonde girl. Uh, and surprise, surprise. Cuban guys like really good-looking blonde girls. I mean, no one would have ever put those two things together, but um, it, it, turns, it turns out that and uh, you know, she would she'd go and she would dance, and I'd be at the bar drinking heavily. And uh, this one night, she was out on the dance floor and spinning her around, and we were in the community. Just, I was watching and I see the computers run. It's got to How am I going to get her out the bar underneath this guy's nose? That's not what bothered me. Okay, because that's just is what it is. What bothered me and I didn't give a fuck. I was cold. Cold to the whole thing. To this person that I said I told myself that I loved. And I went into a bit of a trance and I saw myself 30 years from now still pissed bitter seething I mean I went past bitter and that scared me I said okay something's got to change here how did I get myself here how did I how, how did I create this for myself talk about uncomfortable and spooky and not fun um Hard conversations. Keyword being conversations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you feel like it sounds like certain points in your I don't want to call it a journey, but your journey or whatever, like it's a journey, man. It's a journey. It's all a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. Poison blood. Poison <laughs> <Yeah>. blood. <laughs> Um, but like, 
it, it sounds like you have these very pivotal moments in your life. Do you feel like that's kind of how it always has been? You have just these freeze frames of, for whatever reason, something has hit you. And that is what makes you change. Does that make sense? Choice points, as they're called, quantum mechanics. Okay. Yes. I, I failed that class because I didn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> it scared me. <laughs> it scared me. It would have caused some very uncomfortable dialogue within myself, so I didn't didn't take it. Uh, quantum mechanics? Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've had wake up calls. Mm-hmm. I've had wake up calls. Because that just sounds like a. I mean, you knew, like you said, it wasn't the greatest circumstance you're watching these other guys dance with your girlfriend but it there was nothing particularly abnormal about that situation oh, no. you guys are there all the time uh-huh. just suddenly it hit you like a ton of bricks yeah like a ton of bricks uh, and she left god bless her she, she stuck around hoping that I was going to come out of that I've got to go into the wilderness and and figure this out. I've got to go alone. Was this Thailand after or before this? This was this is four years in. Yeah. So this is right after your second knee surgery. Yeah. So, I mean, that wasn't necessarily completely like out of the blue then because you basically were recovering from this thing that was just causing you to not be able to do what you love. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. And just on the structural note, I mean, I'm, I still kickbox. Yeah. I do. I'm, I'm arguably a better athlete now than I was when I was competing. Um, I'm more coordinated. Mm -hmm. Part of that, part of the whole problem was, uh, I, uh, I created a very inflammatory environment, an inflamed environment in my body with my story. Yeah. Okay, I, can, I There was no way that I was going to heal up from that, being as fucking mad as I was. Okay, um, and I stayed that way for a while. When I talked myself out of that thought and talked myself out of that to a tangible degree, like, you know, newsflash, turns out the body can actually heal itself. Pretty interesting. You know, I, there's apparently not much cartilage in my knee. It doesn't hurt at all. Okay, I've got full range of motion and I can kick as hard as I want. Like, and the doctor told me, he's like, I've, I've seen one other knee like yours. And the guy goes, he can still walk. <laughs> that was right out, of, right out of surgery. And I was like, thanks, bro. So what makes you, what, what, do, you, what do you love about kickboxing? Has it changed? No, it hasn't changed. That's cool. There's, I've got a mean streak. And there's part of me that, that likes making contact. With people, that's cool. yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's there's just there's just something about it. beating someone to the punch, um, and I find it very difficult as far as the, 
art of it. Um, we do it in a controlled environment now. And have and well, yes, and there are some changes, some 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 differences. I look at, I watch fights. Sometimes I go to fights. I watch people warm up. I am not jealous of that shit at all, <laughs> man. You know, nobody's told those guys, they haven't gotten the memo, that that hurts. That stuff hurts. People kicking you, trying to kick you in your face, you know. <laughs> what? Do, you, do you get nervous when you're in the competition setting? Um, usually not, unless I, it's someone I know who's fighting. Okay. And then I get, then I'm, I've got some, then some, it's like empathy nerves. some skin in the game. Yeah. Um, and I do have a couple of my favorite fighters that that uh, that I'll watch you know, UFC fights. And mm. I will I will get. Sometimes I do pace. <laughs> I do. I can get worked up. Yeah, that's just that's like, cool. Yeah, it's fun. With <laughs> anyone awesome. watching something that they care about, though, do you? So like we haven't even touched on Enlifted yet. This one week old company. Right. What? So, do you incorporate kickboxing? You can incorporate uh, language. Yeah. What, what is it? What is no, it? no kickboxing. We do. Most of the people on the Olympic team, we we do practice mm -hmm. kickboxing, but that's just an internal thing. Uh, yeah, Olympic is about cognitive fitness. We we took. Excuse me. The vocabulary philosophy, which I mentioned about identity, to hey, yeah. guess what? It's not fact. My mindset is not static, okay? It changes, I participate in it with my words. And we focused on the story, stories uh, in the fitness industry, why people work out. And uh, a lot of people's fuel for working out is, is it's fear-based, you know? Fear of um, not being good enough, okay? Yeah. Fear of getting older, fear of uh, not being attractive. Yeah. Okay. And it's almost like punishment too. Take out the almost like. It's punishment. <laughs> it's punishment. People punish themselves in the gym. Look at the words. You know, I smash my PR. Let's get ripped, shredded. I'm gonna, I'm gonna crush. I'm gonna crush this workout. It's it, it's it's a it's a lot of punishment. Um, and a lot of times, you know, people talked about this earlier, they take the they take the edge off, uh, the stress off in their life is, is they call the, their, their workouts the best hour of the, the day, you know, and they just, they, they, they get so exhausted or they exert themselves so much that, um, thank you. They exert they, themselves so much, yeah. they, they can just forget about things for a hot second, okay, and then the negative dialogue uh, uh, kicks back in. We're going to change the face of the fitness industry. My this and it's this is this is telltale and a little bit spooky. My grandfather he never exercised a day in his life. If he said I, if I ever see someone jogging down the road with a smile on their face, then I'll do it. Right? It's awesome. And and I'm you know amazing. The people people's faces in the gym. You know, one thing that I'm doing now in my workouts, like I'm paying very close attention to how I wear my face in the gym, okay? 
you've heard of resting bitch face. Yeah. Resting yeah. asshole face. Yeah. It's like it's walking around being all like tough and stiff and and if that's the nerve, if that's those are the muscle groups that I'm 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 aggregating that into my physical body and then I carry that out into my relationships and things. And guess what? I'm I'm most people's breathing mechanics and their 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 movement patterns and their their the, the stories they tell themselves are very out of alignment. You go put, go get a bar and put load under on that, and, and, and that's the worst way to start working out. We're going to turn this thing around, um, or for some people, help them help them just do what they're already doing in a better way in order to get longevity in their in their workout routines, and then going to branch out into other areas of their life. I find it interesting that you use the word alignment in regards to how people have their lives structured outside of the gym because as a coach I'm sure you know most people talk about alignment in the gym, proper body alignment and you talked about the physicality and how it changes when someone changes the way they're talking to themselves and they're thinking. Are you guys tying those two things in together or was that just you happening to use No, we're alignment? very, we're yeah, very, we're very much mindful about that. Yeah. We're very much tying that together. Yeah. Um, we like the idea or the words cognitive fitness mm -hmm. because it, it makes the conversation about developing our mental capacities uh, and becoming more, dare I say, healthy mentally a lot easier. We start talking about mental health and it's, it's got some stigma around people start backing up because you're either you're either okay or you're seeing someone okay and getting medicated <laughs> mindfulness bit of a snoozer okay it's, it's we're, gonna, we're gonna be mindful <laughs> um, and 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 mindset that's that we were talking about this on the podcast this morning um, that usually comes down to positivity and, and mental toughness. Okay, there's more to it than that. Yeah. So just like someone develops a, a, a functional fitness program, and there's a lot to that. There's mobility. There's strength. There's endurance. There's there's um, there's, there's rest days. There's, there's it's a it's a comprehensive yeah. conversation. Let's do that for how we're how we're developing our our cognition. It's progressions. This is the natural progression. Mike is Mike is very much deep in this world, and just hanging around him, running into uh, coaches and, and, and CrossFit gym owners, a lot of them are saying, you know, I'm 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 good teaching people how to squat better. You know, there's there's what's next. Yeah. It's got to, It's it, this is this is a progression in the development of the fitness industry. Yeah. Coaches want to see more out of their out of their out of their people. But it's also what's going to set you apart, right? Like you know. Well, anyone who's ever coached anything, and even John talks about this in the clinic, like you know, you turn into the person's therapist very quickly. Oh yeah. Which shows you just how big the need is. They think they're hiring someone to tell them to do push-ups when in reality they just want someone to pay attention to them for an hour. I I don't. There's a lot of people out there that just they need. Like you said, get stuff off their chest. 
right? It's incredible because we just hold it in and it comes out in different ways. And people want to come in and like, I want to get my hormones checked. I want to check my cholesterol. I want to check this, make sure my heart's okay. Like, why? Well, I got family risk, but I've also, you know, I got my own stuff I've been going through. And I'm like, all right, cool. And it's funny because they need like, like almost like physical evidence that something's up. Like, okay, we found the issue. You got low testosterone. So if I take testosterone, then I'm good. Yeah, man. Everything's going to be beautiful. Rainbows and shit are going to be going off. <laughs> Unicorns will be walking down the street. We can jump on one. Like, <laughs> you can jump on one. So <laughs> close. Yeah. Because you can do anything. Because you can do anything. Yeah. But the side effects are you're still going to have to deal with your depression. You still can't get it up. I don't know what you're going to do about that. You need to talk to someone. That just all comes back to what you've been saying this whole time is it's you're at the root of the story and you're trying to shift the blame to your low testosterone or the 50 extra pounds of weight you're carrying around. You have to be objective, which is really indifferent, right? Like it's just, that's all it is. It's just like, all right, this is what you're telling me. And then you give your own opinion. You're kind of, well, I guess it could be this, but you have to say that in a way to where it is soft talk because you have to have that talk because if you're brutally honest with someone, then you can actually get through to them. Right? Because just like, hey, guess what? It's not your low testosterone. You got a bunch of shit in your head you can deal with right now, man. That's the biggest deal. Once you get that cleared up, you probably won't need these pills. You won't need the injections. Like, you know, like, you'll, you'll be all right. You said a magic word, brutal. The changing the conversation in one's head is just that. At times, it is brutal. And soft talk. Have some issues with the thing. Taking out the mic and the sum and solidifying that, that shit gets scary. It gets real, real fast. Oh, yeah. And having said that, it's uh, a lot less brutal and scary than the consequences of maintaining those stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you have to figure out. Not getting a boner, dude. That's, that's scary. Yeah, it is. But and usually there's another person involved. But that's which makes it even worse. <laughs> but if a person's willing to just bypass that and overlook that like issue, that just tells you the kind of person we're dealing with. And that's a person that might be looking at it from a different angle than what you're seeing it. And you have to somehow convey it in a way that they're gonna say, I finally see it. Maybe is it's kind of what you're thinking, uh, to maybe I need to go talk to someone. The wife usually will bring the guy in. Like straight up, like, really? yeah, oh, every time. It's like the wife will come in, they'll complain, and they'll say something, and then they're like, you know what? You need to talk to my husband. Like, oh, okay, sure. If you want to bring him in here, I'll talk to him. And when it happens, it's the most awkward thing because you're just sitting there. It's like, so what brings you in today? <laughs> um, my wife told me to come here. Uh, <laughs> all right, so. Uh, Is she in the room? No, she's not in the room. Sometimes they are. But sometimes it's just them by themselves. And the funny thing is, you know you why they're about? there. Like, you know why they're there. They haven't said anything yet. So I'm sitting there and she's just told me the whole thing. And I'm just sitting there like, okay, so we'll bring it in today. And they're sitting there like, um, I was told that um, I should get some blood work. <laughs> cool. Why? <laughs> you just got to go some there. And so you have to gauge it out, right? Because it might be like this big dude that walks in and I'm just like... 
Sorry, but talk about it, man. Like it's it's totally cool. It's it, it's it's probably you know something that's very common and you might not realize it, but it it's like telling someone it's okay to be sad, right? I mean, to cry and to laugh in the same day is just like Jimmy D said. It's like that's a full day, mm. right? If you can cry, there's nothing this weakness about crying, which is incredible. If most people probably cry, you probably feel a lot happier. But it's just weird because we associate crying as weakness, and you associate you know sadness as a, as as a sign of weakness too. I mean, I remember Baldo posted about depression because he goes through it, and he's allowed me to talk about it all the time. But he, you know, he when you tell someone like, "Hey, man, I'm fucking sad," people come, "Hey, man, is he okay? Is he doing all right?" I'm like, "Yeah, why? Well, what's going on with you here?" Is there why I saw his post? I go, "That thing? Yeah, he's been down for the past couple of days. He's all right." Ask him about it. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Is he telling me I'm good? Then I'm then I'm alright with that, right? If he says no, I'm not good, I expect him to tell me. Right? Like, what's up? Nah, I'm just what's cool, man. We'll figure it out. Just stay with it. Like let's figure out what we're gonna do. People that come in with depression is the hardest thing next to migraines to treat. Like you just you can throw everything at it. And genetically something's off, you just pray for the best. Right, because I've seen people that come in straight out of the state hospital, and they're just like, "What do you got for me?" And I'm like, "Damn, can't promise anything, man." But let's let's look at the whole approach. Like, yeah, I've tried that shit. Like, what else you got for me? Like, All right, you know, see what we can do. Like CBD, I've done CBD, anxiety, and bipolar, and all that. I don't know, it's just helped. Yeah. It's, it's weird. The therapy aspect of it takes on a whole new meaning when we talk about mental wellness and the stigma behind it. It's not these people are stupid. It's not these people can't function. They got crazy ass shit going on with them, right? But you know what's comforting is when you ask them about, are they okay? They're like, yeah, I'm, I got my problems. I'm bipolar. I'm schizophrenic. Like they come out and say it so calmly because they just know like this is who I am. That at least they can start to, to deal with it then. Maybe. I don't know. Right, we look at it. Say, what do we do? How do we treat them? They're saying they just got these weird things that I, I think, from our standpoint, we're trying to figure out how to treat it from a better perspective. Because the, the the traditional route here in this country is not treatment, right? And we got to figure out what we're going to do differently because it's it's not an illness. I think it's not a disease. Just everyone's wired differently. Mm-hmm. Right? If you can change the frequency just ever slightly, then mood can be just a, such an elevation for that person. When you talk about mood, it's a whole other energy. Right? Like they just, when people are happier, they, they just they smile more. They give you hugs. Right? They ask you how you're doing. Like it's one thing to ask someone else, and then they turn around, well, no, how are you doing? You really want to know? Let me tell you some shit. Good, thanks for listening. Good location. Yeah, that's the other thing too. There's, I, I took this guy, he's my fantasy football league. I took him up to our mock draft or I mean, whatever you call it, our traditional draft. He talked the entire time, the second he got in the car, all the way up there about himself. Told me his whole life story. I didn't, I didn't get one word in this whole time. He, he probably didn't even ask like what I did on there. It was the craziest thing. But I felt like he had this, like he had something to say. So I just listened. It was cool. I don't know. I, like after that, we've been like cool since. 
I didn't really know I'm going in there. <laughs> but I just like, like now you know. Yeah, now I know. I mean, the second guy in the car, how's your day going, man? Oh, man, let me tell you this bullshit happened last night. And he just goes into it. Dude. Right. Because I was like, cool, man. All right. And we just like take off and go north. We get there. I'm like, well, good luck today, man. We'll see how it goes. And it's like, all right, cool. I'm here to listen. The, the therapist aspect, like Allison says, it, it comes with the territory. But it, um, we do feel like with a lot of our vitamin approach, from a biochemical standpoint, has validity, which is cool. Well, there, well, there's certain things, you know, like you know, now I can manage my when I when I'm noticing. I mean, part of it has to do with the fact that I can notice when I'm going into a depressed state, and I can manage it. I mean, nutritionally, at least it works for me, right? Because, you know, if that's the thing that helps me, then say don't allow yourself to go into that. Then that's cool because once you're in it, you're you're just there's not getting there's no going out getting out of it right it's just like you don't even want to feel better which is weird how do you how do you coach that uh, not not wanting to feel better or do better most of my clients want to sure uh, when we coach if I can get someone talking we can make some progress, even if it's slight, even if it helps, even if it just helps them get through the bottom and up a little bit more. Um, and that's my response to that. Mm -hmm. Well, see, it's funny because I make I'll make posts whenever I do have an episode because I want to make sure that people are comfortable talking about it. Right, because I think that that's another thing. People don't yeah. like talking about that shit. Yeah. Because if, if 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 I'm talking about what's wrong with you, or quote unquote, what's going on with you, that makes me feel uncomfortable about what's wrong with me. That's usually why yeah. people will um, have a knee jerk reaction to making sure you're okay. I'm going to make sure you're okay so I feel okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, exactly. I feel a responsibility for it, right? Because, like, I've made so much progress that someone's like, people should talk about it so they can share it and then improve, right? But I think the coolest thing is that you're having a conversation about this because the athlete back in the 60s and 70s, they weren't addressing this. They weren't, ad they weren't addressing any type of mental. I mean, think about it, dude. Bruce Jen what, Jenner, right? Like, he was the one of the biggest athletes in the world. And the whole time, he was like, I'm a woman. I mean, does that not boggle anyone's mind all of a sudden? It's like, I'm just going to flip the switch like when I'm later. I mean, you imagine the stuff that was going through him, like in his head. Walk it off, dude. I mean, walk it off, right? Suck it up. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, here's the thing. I was in middle school. I was in middle school, literally, and I, in basketball, I had a broken collarbone in the middle of a basketball game. My coach told me when I said, I need to come out this second. He's like, play tough, Mendoza. And my mom was sitting there, and to this day, she'll bring it up. She's like, I was sitting there, and I knew you were faint, and I wasn't about to go in and tell that coach to let you out of the game. But I played like another couple minutes. I probably made it worse. But uh, it was interesting because the coach felt bad later, but I tried to tell him, I was like, yeah, I wouldn't be asking to come out if it wasn't serious. You know, like, this is kind of ridiculous. But I broke my collarbone. Yeah, <laughs> and it does hurt. It really hurts. But the crazy thing is you still lift your arm. 
And that's what happened. I, I lifted, well, there was a couple rebounds and I, I mean, I was right next to it. And so I was like, knee jerk reaction. It's like, and you could feel it came in. And I was like, oh, what was that? And I was like, that's not right. I was like, that's not right. And so then I started, I was point guard. I dribbled with my left hand, you know, down the court. And then there was another rebound. I went up for it again, forgetting. And then it went again and it caved in. And I was like, all right. I looked at the coach. I was like, I'm done. Like, I'm seriously, take me out. And, you know, I'm about to be in tears. I was like, this hurts. You know, I sit down and then we go to the ER and the doctor looks at me. Well, yep, probably broken, but we'll take an x-ray anyway. I'm like, cool. And a sling. Like, that's it. Because there's not much you can do. I had to wear the brace. Yeah, and I sit up like this. But it was a clean break. It just that those two extra ones, you could see it on the x-ray. Like, where, like it was a little, like, kind of torn off, too, because it probably rubbed against each other when I lifted the arm up. Right? Crazy. Ugh. That's why I love medicine. I like to see that shit. And I'm just like, that's cool. That's really cool. Bodies <laughs> are so easy to break. For it's me, it's always been ankles and knees. Oh, yeah. yeah. All it went to the left foot, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I adjust his ankle, his ligaments are really lax, so they stretch out, and so it's almost elastic when you kind of do it. it goes, like that. Kind of grosses me out a little bit. <laughs> Both ankles or just that one? Just that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> you got to deal with that too. I mean. I, hey, tell us again, uh, or I don't think they heard the, the story on the. On, on the jumpsuits, on the yeah, you're, he's sitting here in this uh, badass jumpsuit. What did you guys call that '80s porn star jumpsuit? I say Tampa Bay Buccaneers colors. Okay. That's what jumpsuit, right? Yeah, it's either way, it's, it's badass. Awesome. Either way, it's badass. Like, <laughs> I like the red one you had on uh, over at Pitt. Oh, that was the dragon one, right? Oh yeah, yeah that, that was Julius sick. Caesar. <laughs> fake snake skin on the side. Yeah. It was red and glorious. It was. It was glorious. <laughs> I was able to identify you guys all day on Sundays. I think, as soon as I saw them. I think Mike had a, or I think Bledsoe had the, uh, the, Fila, jumpsuit, right or something. Someone had that. It was, uh, Mike. Mike's jumpsuit, his his tracksuit was Reason. So this one's Reason too. Uh, <laughs> so. Is there a reason to believe? Yeah. The. <laughs> Maybe somebody might have had a, a deal. I'm not sure. That might have been Dan Rios. But, you know, the story of the tracksuits. We were talking tracksuits today. Um, so we have a friend I know through Mike Bledsoe, a guy named Angelo Sisko. It's a pretty Italian name. Yeah, it is. Angelo Sisko's best friend is Dominic Didiana. That's even more Italian. <laughs> <laughs> a very Italian name. And they're both in, in Chicago. And Angelo Sisko owns O'Hare Crossing. And Angelo Sisko's dad was Italian, but of a gangster. And so it's just it's just him, it's in his blood. Excuse me. I go out to do their employee retreat. thinking to myself, how, because I used to think, erroneously, that tracksuits were for fat, stupid people in New Jersey. And when I, I was wrong, when I'm wrong, <laughs> I admit it. And then you wear what you were judging. So, oh, big time. I got seven. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I got seven, one for seven, every seven day. Different, totally different styles. 
And so I go to Macy's looking for a jumpsuit, tracksuit. And uh, it was like on a Tuesday, midday, nobody was there. There's a section in Macy's where the brothers shop. Okay? Nobody knows about this. It's a little, it's a, it's a section, and there's just some really cool clothes in there. Most of them are tracksuits, most of them are jumpsuits. So I go in and I buy a tracksuit and uh, wear it out two nights later to a Christmas party and end up winning the, it was the, it was the red jumpsuit. Nice. <laughs> and winning the costume party, hands down. They didn't even, as soon as I showed up, they just gave me the thing. Um, <laughs> and so the, the, the tracksuit conversation for me started there. So I get a, a shipment of tracksuits from New York City. And uh, I take one of them and I throw it at Mike, and it's the one that he had on. So his was gray and, and, yeah. and red with, with golden bricks yes. down the side. Was, yeah. His whole demeanor changed immediately. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could totally tell. I wanted, I wanted to say something, too. It was, it was interesting because I was like, Hey Mike, man, that's a dope ass like series. He just kind of looks at me and just kind of just—he doesn't really say much. He's just kind of like, I know. <laughs> but he's like, it's not him. It's like I'm like, what? Like, what? Where, where did this come up, dude? A, a, a weird smile on his face, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, I'm like, what? All right, cool, go with it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. We're gonna we're gonna do track suits, track suit Sunday at, at, at Paleo. Yeah, yeah, and. But it wasn't the only one that got into it. It was badass. Like everyone had a, had one, right? There, how many people had a, uh, a jumpsuit? Seven people in jumpsuits, yeah. different jumpsuits. All yours? No, no, not all mine. Okay. No, no. <laughs> this you... is a thing now. Yeah, this is a thing now. We're, yeah. We talked about um, <laughs> uh, a tracksuit fashion party. I'm down in <laughs> in Richmond, and there will be uh, it'll be a fashion show and. There will be prize money, and I'm gonna fly in Andrew's I'm one of them. Angelus is good together, and then Paris Robinson is, is, the, is the third. And Paris, he's a little side note. He was um, my junior year of college, junior year of high school. Richmond was the murder capital per capita of the United States. It was hard ass action. And this, this guy, Paris Robinson, I've known him for a year and a half. He was one of the the dudes in the middle of all that stuff. He was one of the kingpin drug dealers. Anyway, he uh, he got shot a number of times and uh, is now in a wheelchair. And this weird series of circumstances, uh, I meet this guy and, and help him launch his speaking. He actually did my blood so show. When, when I get on my phone, I'll send you this the, the, the podcast. Yeah. It's absolutely fascinating. So Paris also has an incredible style, fashion style, and he loves clothes. He's did I mention he's in a wheelchair? Well yeah, yeah, but he's named Paris, so he's Paris Robinson. Yeah. He's uh, uh and so he took two of our booth members down into the hood in Richmond, tracksuit shopping, and they made a video blog about it. <laughs> Dude, 
<laughs> yeah, so people, I'm, I'm serious, man. People talk about tracksuits in Michigan. <laughs> it's, it's, it really is. It's so funny. I'm telling you, it not only does it look dope, but it's pretty damn comfortable, I bet. Mm. You guys are going to do the thing where you, like, accidentally start a fashion trend, like Rogan accidentally made float tanks popular. Yeah. yeah. Exactly I mean, I want one. one. Like, I mean, I'm looking at it. I'm just like, why don't I, I have one say, of these? Can we get yeah. team tracksuits? Yeah, I'll, I'll, totally, I'll totally have a Cinderella MSW one. I don't care. Because, I mean, those colors would be badass. I mean, we're going to send you pictures in like a month or two. Tracksuits. Well, <laughs> we'll have to. And yes. It'll be patches. Like, patches will be perfect for that. Like, embroidered patches, right? Oh, I like that. Yeah. MSW looked real good in the 70s style logo. That would be so funny, actually. That's okay. funny, like, well, we'd have to be all, Slenderella should be all red. So it'd be like a one piece, like all red, right? Maybe like the white kind of coming down here in the middle. See, I was thinking like white tracksuit, red stripes. Yeah. Oh, that's even bad ass, dude. That's, I like it. I'm, I'm telling you what will happen. You'll put that thing on, you'll put it on, <laughs> and you, you will change it in person. Here's the thing. I do actually um, have a trip to San Diego happening in August. Really? I want a tracksuit by the time I go to San Diego. Get a tracksuit and come come hang out with Mike and I. We've got tracksuits. We'll go out tracksuit. Dude, I'm talking like I'm going to try and like book a comedy show and do it in my tracksuit. Please Diego. tell me when. I'll yeah. show up in my tracksuit. <laughs> I'll get in the front row. Go out in our tracksuits. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, there we go. We have to get team tracksuits now. We should totally get team tracksuits. I think this is a contract right. legally in Texas. Well, um, who, uh, well, who's going to look that up for us then? Does Amazon just have a tracksuit sure store? There I think we to? need to go to the ghetto, ghetto in Richmond, actually. It's... There's no more ghetto in Austin, so they've all been replaced with, like, condos. <laughs> look up vintage, maybe. Look up Reason Clothing. Reason clothing. Yeah, Love that's it. the brand. I feel like you just gave us the. I did. I really. That's did. badass. I really did. That's awesome. I'll just mute that part out on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what? No money from that or what? Reason clothing. Yeah, they. Freaking um, strong, strong in the tracksuit game. That's awesome. I can't wait. That's so, so funny. So, I mean, this is sneaker games. I mean, you don't have to worry about sneaker games because you got the sandal game yeah, going on with it. It's yeah. perfect. It's easy. Yeah. Well, it's California style, right? I was riding around. I rented a, uh, a Porsche Boxster the day after Paleo Effects. Yellow as shit. In, in, this, in this track. Suit of course. And, and hauled ass around the city. That's awesome. That's cool. That's awesome. You got a few looks. I got a few looks. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is, you got a few looks of like the guys driving the, like the Maseratis and all that stuff too. They're like, that's pretty badass. <laughs> are, are you on the Are you on the website? I'm laughing so hard because the little teaser photo for sets was literally a tracksuit with cash as the print, like it's a cash bag. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen that one. <laughs> And the thought that went through my please, head was like, dude, I please, should get this. Yes, please, I don't own that one. Okay? Please get He's that been one. looking at it for a please while. Please get that one. I'm just I'm trying to find it like, listed as an actual Is that is that the Friday suit? <laughs> I think well, it's on like, the new arrival. The new, oh, he knows. It's on the new arrival. That is so awesome. He's, it's on page two. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, scroll right through it. 
Oh, we're getting tracksuits. This is so awesome. We're totally <laughs> going to give y'all credit for it because, I mean, we'll, we'll help continue this. There's thing. a denim tracksuit. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I know. I know. <laughs> That's Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know it's in my cart. I got it. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, did you go to that uh, Aviator Nation? Down on South Congress. South Congress, we did a track show there one time. Really? Oh, yeah. I went in there the other day. Aviator Nation. Yeah. I've known. Currency track jacket. Is that it? Yeah, there's matching pants. Yeah, there's pants for it, too. Well, I was going to say, if you really want to try to pull off a badass one, Lucy in Disguise on Congress is a costume store. And they have a bunch of vintage like clothing. Like if you want to dress up like Sergeant Pepper, you know, like really? you could, yeah. Yeah. As so, a theater person though, that place freaks me out. I don't know how normal people go in there and aren't so overwhelmed. Well, like there's a ton of stuff in there. Yeah, and they run out for uh, like October and Halloween, like all the time and stuff like that. But they got some jit stuff. I bet you could probably just go in there and be like, hey, I'm just getting old track seats. <laughs> no problem. Yeah, all the way in the back, that yeah. last right in the back, last right there. Row. That one's from the 60s and 70s. I mean, you're gonna pay, <laughs> but I mean, it'll be legit. I mean, it might be something Will Chamberlain wore at one point, right? Hey, man. There you go. Dave Brown? Stay on the scene. I Dude. say that to myself. My dad had a. Uh, He's one of his tenants. Stay on the scene. I like that. <laughs> My dad had a, a velvet, like a, uh, almost like a suede kind of like brown jumpsuit. I have a velvet jacket, uh, velvet, and it's like burgundy. Fucking badass. <laughs> for $2 at the Goodwill. At the Goodwill. At the Goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was going to say, that's so like Texican of you to say, the Goodwill. Yeah. <laughs> that's badass. Yeah. All right, so we're going to continue the thing. We're yeah. going to get tracksuits. So we'll give you all credit. I'm honestly, like, it's badass. <laughs> Anyone ask, like, who's getting this time. idea? Let's say Mark and Mike, who are they? And lifted, man. Like, just yeah, go check it out. Like, go. Yeah, well, they won't know I knew who y'all are anyway, right? But they'll be like, that was badass. And say, yeah, go check out the photo. Y'all are, they were the Sundays. It's badass. It's better. Than <laughs> you, right? Because you know you someone's going to outdo one another. We should yeah. just we yeah. should get the whole freaking. Uh, all of them just to do it next year. Well, I can say, dude, I'll do it for Pennyless <laughs> next Sunday or next Three year. Three years. Four years. Four years. Yeah. We go strong next year. Okay. I love yeah. it. Tracksuit Sunday. It's oh, a yeah. fucking thing now. I want a white one. We've got, well, Mike is, he's got a lot of friends there. We could probably get 20, 30 people to them. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh. Easily. Oh, yeah. Oh, that'd be badass. Okay. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. And then, then. Okay. We can, get a hit, we, can, <laughs> we can get a hit list. If we, if we have to make everyone yes. just in that's our right. booth, in your booth, <laughs> just wear them, then that's like 10 or 12 people right there. So between the contacts that all of us have, we could, we could get a strong showing of that. Well, you get a discount. IV, if you're wearing a tracksuit. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm in. This count, I'm in. Oh, wait, wait. A reason to get up get up in a tracksuit and then and then save some cash and then you get an IV out of it. Be a <laughs> badass IV too, right? Yeah. Like, you're like, okay. Why not? Oh my goodness. I feel like this is wrapping the podcast portion of the evening. Well, well, the the cool thing is, I will say this. Um, y'all have a good crew. Like the people that we got to meet, 
every day was really cool. That's how we got to meet Ryan. Yeah. It was uh, it was cool because when you told me that y'all literally launched that week, I was astonished because it, it was very well organized from what we saw. And I know it was probably chaotic leading up to that point. Mike, you know, I could tell he was he was a little nervous about. It. He's like, I, you know, so far so good, you know. But you know, this is our first one. And it's crazy because Paleo is a, a big platform, right? Mm -hmm. Like y'all had a big, big like corner, which was nice. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and 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 we kept. Yeah, and I think it was a good introduction, right? I think you call it a good weekend, right? We call it a good weekend. Yeah. Uh, we hit some numbers, and we had a very good time doing it. Our crew was, you know, everybody came in on their own dime to support that. Yeah. That's a big deal for us. That's a big cool. deal for anybody. It's a big deal. Sure. It's, it's, and that was a big group. Part. That was, it was a big, big group. group. We had seven people. Yeah. We had seven people to do it. Yeah. Um, it was it was uh, it was so nice uh, hanging out every in the mornings, right? Just having like a little free yeah. show it breakfast, was cool. lunch, it was cool. or breakfast, yeah. whatever. Mike, uh, they Mike love your stuff too, man. Oh, you know what? It was an honor. That it's cool because. Uh, the feedback, like every time you, you would just see them again, like the next day. Well, actually, there's a couple guys that got came back like again, and I was like, "That's awesome!" And each one of them was was great guys. They they had a, a cool backstory. Each one of them, they felt energetic, and we were happy that like maybe in some way it helped y'all, you know, like kick some ass that weekend. You know, it was it was cool. Um, a lot of the people that we always work with when we do events like this, we always. Well, I like carry care of like the staff and like other vendors yep. and all that because the truth is they're working just as hard as you are, man. And I know we were there like what Thursday night we got there set up the night before and we were there till midnight. We would have stayed longer but they had to kick us out at the Palmer. And then we went back at six thirty the next day. We worked another event that same morning. Yeah, we worked a whole day event that Damn. that Thursday and then Friday showed up six thirty till probably about seven thirty. Right? Yeah. I mean, hell, when we got done with Sunday, we all had to, like, pick up and, like, get out of there, right? Because they were like, y'all got to get there by 3.30, like, get out. And so we just picked up and just, just go. I was going to yeah. say, y'all were there Thursday night till midnight after I had already brought a truckload of stuff over, too. Yeah. Well, you, I know it's, it's you know, also a first for us was the uh, the bar that we had. Like, that was the first time we did that. It literally came in the day before. <laughs> And we pieced it together right <laughs> before. That's why we stayed there at late. We had to even put the display behind it. We got our, some of our canvas the morning. Yeah. I, I, oh, I remember you were using a different color, right? Or something yeah, like memory. that. Yeah. We just do a little presto change Well, uh, <laughs> we, the, the, funny, said, like, the rule of life is no one actually knows what's going on. Well, yeah. the, the funny thing is, you know, this is, I don't know if this was like your first health and wellness expo, like on this level or. Second. Second. Yeah. First one was paleo last, last year. year. All right. So the answer is that was, this is my like second one too as well. So this is kind of like a newer thing as well, but I've gotten used to it. But, um, you know, as you being one of the founding members, the idea would be like in probably five years, you may or may not be at that booth full time. Right. We start off at a 10 by 10. You know, my goal is I don't have to be behind that curtain all day again next year we just made it work you know because that's what needed to be viewed yeah like done right and it was cool because the context you need if you think about it the way it was set up is we set up to where the, you walk in you go right up to the bar like that's your introduction right just like Bob says like 
that's what you do. You go to the bar, you hang out there a little bit, you know, and mingle and all that. And then the next thing was Baldo was right outside the curtain, so he was the one who's basically taking the payments and making sure that everyone was like kind of filing with the waivers and all that. And then they met me. And then by the time they got back here, they're like, what the hell are you doing behind this curtain? Like, what's going on back here? You're giving me the shot? I'm like, yeah, I'm giving the shot. That's why I didn't yeah, the sketchiest setup. But it was funny because like, I told you too. Like, People everyone, loved it. Everyone came back there and it's kind of like grand. They're like, all right, cool. You know, like they, they accepted, I guess, more anything else. But it was, it was cool because I got to talk just briefly each one of them because you know it's a cool kind of setup when people come to you and by the time they get to that point they're the ones asking all the questions because mm -hmm. i'm just basically like so tell me your story where are you from right and they're just like oh well i'm like doing this thing and i got this going on and i run this and blah. i mean it's just all day long and i was like well that's cool like that's awesome like and they're like is this your deal i'm like yeah this is my deal I'm, you know i wish i was a lot you know working and mingling more but you know i'm giving all the shots because we're a little short staffed we ran that with three people basically all weekend long. Yeah, you crush and it. And we had a couple people that came by and kind of Busy graciously helped out. Yeah. So it was cool. Like you talk about it first, we we felt good afterwards because we were like, shit, we can do this anywhere. Like this was like this our first time to do this kind of like this setup and and with three people we knocked it out. <clears throat> so you used that event as the launch pad for your brand as well. What are you guys signing up? coaches to put through like who's your target client right on we're so we've been launching since december 2nd okay <laughs> we've just pivoted a couple of times yeah um initially it was going to be a, a strictly a digital information product a 21 day course uh, and as the conversation developed we decided to do some other things right now what we sold at paleo effects was a 90-day training instructor-led with Mike and I. This is a one-off gig, um, starts on the 15th of this month, and yeah, it's, it's, it's as much for people that are gonna go through the course, they're going to get transformed, okay? Mike and I are both good teachers and we've got the, the, the curriculum to really delivering an outstanding training. We're also going to learn more about who our, who our, uh, who our clientele are. Um, and in the future, we're, if, we do, if, if we don't do another 90-day training like this and just go straight digital information products, I won't be surprised. Mm -hmm. I won't be surprised. Maybe we do one of these a year. I'm not sure. But uh, that's what we chose to do. That's what we chose to sell. And... Uh, yeah. And this we is getting did. people to transform themselves. So, yeah, we're starting yeah. with the story. Yeah. We're, we're um, giving people a framework to, to adjust the reasons they work out. It might not sound very sexy or flashy, but that does have teeth. Yeah. And it's a lot, and it's a, a, a very fun course, too. We, we, created uh, Mike's alter ego in the gym. <laughs> His name's Billy. <laughs> and Billy is takes everything personally. Doesn't know how to take a rest day. It lives in comparison hell. Can't give a good hug. 
<laughs> has the worst mental dialogue, is awkward, um, and 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 self-absorbed and consumed, and we've we made skits with it. There, it's just there, there's a lot, there's a lot of pimp panning going on. That's no awesome. offense to Mike, but that sounds like his self-description of him uh, like a couple decades ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mine too. Yeah. You know, I've, I've got my own version of that. Yeah. We'll send you guys some courses. As I yeah. Well, I was going to ask if you're still yeah, drinking sign-ups. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and it starts on May 15th. starts on May 15th. Okay. People want to know more about it, go to lifted.me. It's a quick video and a cognitive fitness assessment test. Five minutes free. Fun. Let you know where you're at with your cognitive fitness skills. That's so cool. I think that's a good. Yeah, that's a great round. In. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for. It's my pleasure. Being yeah. on this. And- it is.